Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the Grounded Pixie Dice Set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about being mindful of the connection between a player and their character. Today we're talking to Andy Denus. How's it going, Andy? Uh, not too bad. How are you doing yourself? Doing pretty good. How about you, Sean? A uh, tiny bit hungover. A little bit of absence last night was not the greatest of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> You did it the with the cubes and everything, right? Yeah, we did it all proper, and um, uh, it was a mistake. <laughs> it doesn't taste good, and it is seventy-two percent alcohol by volume. Yeah, it's just licorice. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is almost pure alcohol licorice. Um, but anyways, D and D. Yes, uh, <laughs> Andy. Where might our listeners know you from, and how did you come to tabletop? All right, I. Uh... I don't have the greatest online presence, but um, a lot of people might know me from uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram, where my ha- uh, my handle is uh, a Hero of Hearts. I've had other handles before, um, Xomni Zero, uh, Jace Broham, a couple of just names I've gone through over the years. Uh, nothing really solidified until now. Um, I, th- I think that's probably where most people would know me, either Twitter or Instagram. Because you're, you're part of the like Critical Role cosplay community, right? Uh, it seems I am. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been quite an experience, a lot more than I was ever expecting. Yeah, I've seen that's. I think that's one of the things that I love the most about Critical Role is like the show and the players and Matt Mercer, they're all awesome, but the community has been amazing. Like all the things that the community has done together and all that stuff. It's just, it blows my mind that so many people have come together around a D&D campaign. Or oh now. yeah, it's, um. Yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy. Um, funny enough, as a kid, I was I, I I totally was super scared of getting into super nerdy things, and now as an adult, I'm like, oh man, I really missed out on some stuff. Um, and you asked me how I got into tabletop. Well, funny enough, um, it actually all comes back to Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had met uh, Laura Bailey at the convention in Vancouver years ago, and um, she asked me this question of uh who uh some of her favorite characters uh that she's played or who what characters of hers that she's played were my favorite and i only came up with a couple and then i went home afterwards and i'm like who does she play that i like and i saw in her uh imdb uh some stuff for critical role i'm like hey what's that and then i was like hey it has all these other people i like in it let's check it out and then i was like oh okay cool and then (laughs) within um a couple of weeks, I was able to, uh, one of my work buddies, he actually used to play a lot of 3.5. So I asked him, hey, can we try this thing out? And so um, we started a couple sessions with uh, some guys from work. And um, <laughs> it, it's it's a little bit rude, but uh, at one point I was like, I think I can do this better than him. Because he used to be just a player, not a DM. And so I got a whole bunch of 5e books and I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> And yeah, so I sort of, sort of started DMing a little bit out of spite, maybe. <laughs> I, based on what I've read online, I think that is how a lot of people start. They're like, like not not the bad kind of spite, or just the, the like. There's something inside of them that's just like, I could do this better, and so they do. Yeah, or there's just the awakening of like, this is really interesting. I want to do this. Yeah. Um. And then from there, I sort of just started running games and everything. Um, I'm currently not running anything, but I'm trying to get another game going. Before we get into the topic, one thing that I wanted to, to touch on really quick, though, was like the, the thing with Critical Role that I find, I don't, I don't know what the right adjective is for it, but the fact that now there's a bunch of people who 
whenever I hear them in a cartoon or like anything they voice act, <laughs> I don't hear the character anymore. I hear like Matt Mercer. I hear Laura Bailey. Oh I yeah. Hear, yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I hear the people now, even when they're doing like an accent or something like that. It's just like, Oh, it's, it's Liam. Hey Liam. How's it going? <laughs> oh yeah. I get that all the time. Or um, there's, there'll be some there you don't completely recognize them, but you've heard them somewhere before. Or the odd time where I know uh, I know Matt's done it, where he's uh, filled in for somebody else, and so he copies their voice, and you're like, is that the same person or is this this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into to this this topic. I think the the best place to start, I think, is just the idea of players putting themselves into their characters, and um, and how that affects the players, the characters, the game as a whole. Um, what do you what do you have for us on that? Um, well, let's see. When it comes to players, I always find that people try to put at least a little bit of themselves into their characters. Um, I've I've known some people who have just they can just you know make a character and it's like oh I'm playing a dragonborn barbarian I'm just gonna roll with it. Uh, and then there's other times where I get people who they create a character and they they can't resist from putting a piece of themselves in it. Either they do something where they uh they'll make their character a little bit extra chaotic because, you know, they kind of want to lean into that. Or they try to... I know some people who have given their character a little bit of a uh, personal struggle to kind of help themselves deal with that because, you know, D&D is a role-playing game. It's a fantasy, and so you can kind of explore those things. Whereas if you try doing that in uh, the real world, that might have some consequences that are... Or, or, it's, or it's just not possible. I know that most of my players love the idea of role-playing as somebody who's financially stable. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh. Sometimes, sometimes players put their hopes and dreams into their characters because they, uh, they're they like, well, I'm not going to get there now, but maybe my character can. And I think, I think it's something that everybody kind of just does when they create a character, like whether they mean to or not. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, because I haven't, encountered it much myself but jesse's been playing a lot longer than i have and and i'm sure you might have a story or two but the the players that i play with they do put like you can tell that there's just a little bit of themselves in the character whether it's like the the person who's um i completely forgot the adjective for being outgoing and and extroverted extroverted Extroverted? yeah the extroverted player who who, who's the leader and then the other players go along with it because they're not extroverted or like the you know, the person who's an artist playing characters that are a little bit more artistic, whether it's like trying to find the art and being a sorcerer or something like that. But something that I'm curious about, because I've read a little bit of like people telling tabletop stories online is players who put too much of themselves mm. into a character. Yes, so that yes. when they, you know, when something, when something happens, it has that, that like the negative side of putting a player putting too much of themselves into a character is that if something bad happens to the character, the player feels like it's happening to them. Yeah. It can be devastating. Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel like I had a player that did that. Um, I, I've had a, I have a lot of different things. I've had like players who I've had players who have not put any of themselves in only to put pieces of themselves in later. But, um, I think my most extreme for your example is, um, I had this one player who, uh, they they wanted to play a uh, tiefling rogue. Uh, sorry, tiefling ranger because um, one tieflings were kind of cool, and two um, ranger was really important to them. And um, long story short, this character kind of became their vent character, and it was it was fine helping them try to get through some stuff. But that character eventually died, and there there was there was a bit of emotional backlash from that, and um sometimes if you put too much of yourself into a character, it's hard to really separate yourself. And sometimes that leads to a lot of uh, player struggle with either the other players or the DM, or um, sometimes the struggles in the game can manifest as stuff in the, in the real world for people. I know um, that same uh, player, she made another character afterwards to replace her dead, dead one and, or their dead one, sorry. They've um they've recently uh, changed pronouns, so I have to. I haven't gone completely to it after knowing them for like two decades as a girl. Anyways, um, they made this one character who was supposed to kind of be our new tank and everything, and 
and uh, they weren't doing a they weren't really doing a very good job. They they were sort of an inverse of their previous character who had really high saving throws, but iffy armor class to a character that had really high armor class, but iffy saving throws just from stats. And so they were always getting down and they were feeling very defeated. And that's sort of um, manifesting in their life. And it was, I had to take them aside and be like, hey, maybe, maybe we'll work on, maybe I'll give you a, uh, like a tough feat or something, maybe more hit points, or maybe we'll figure out if this character is right for what we're doing right now. That's the thing that can be really tough. I've had um, people I've played with before who, um, it's not the, exactly the same, but they'll take it really personally when their character just doesn't work as they thought, like, or as well as they thought, and they'll, like, they internalize it, and it ends up mm-hmm. being something that's, like, an issue away from the table and, like, a frustration in-game, even if the DM's not actually doing anything to pick on them or anything like that. Um and it, that that's really tough to deal with. And I think especially uh, in your example with somebody who makes a character who is kind of their means of venting and like, you know, kind of working maybe through some of their frustrations, losing that character can be devastating because you're often expected to come up with a completely different kind of character. And then when you do, you kind of lose that outlet in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't correctly fill, fill the void that was left either. So it's, you can't exactly use the new character the same way you did the old one. Yeah, and it's kind of the the unfortunate reality of being a DM is that we all play an un- unlicensed therapist at various points because, you know, even if the player doesn't realize it, usually, like, because we're so... We try, like, I think good DMs try to be attuned to what the players are feeling so that the DM knows, oh, I've got to tweak this content coming up so that they'll like it more or that it'll be more impactful. And because we're paying attention to the players quite a bit, we notice when this stuff happens. And, I mean, I'm not going to say we notice it all the time. It, It would probably fly over my head half the time. But when we notice it, it's kind of hard to figure out what to do and i think it just comes back to like rule one of D is communication and just taking a player aside and just going like hey is everything okay like you're seem to be upset when things happen to your character and is that just because you feel like you've had a bunch of bad roles or the character isn't working out like just figuring out a way to talk to a player to like try to remind them that at the end of the day it is a game yeah i think mm-hmm. I think relating to that, it's important to remember in a home game that like someone can completely change their character if they want it. Like it doesn't matter that their character is consistent if they're having a bad time playing it. So if they want to change their character to be more outgoing, you can do that. If they, you know, if they want to change their class, it's not really a big deal unless (laughs) there's something like really important to their class or their character who they are built into the core of the game, in which case it it might be an issue with the campaign overall. Yeah. And I think the thing is DMs is that like, yeah, if we, if you build a campaign, that's all about a bunch of clerics going to clerical school, not like for accounting, but for being a cleric. um, (laughs) And it turns out that like a player is just having a really bad time because you know their player their character trying to be a cleric is just not working out but it's core to the campaign it's one of the things that as dms like we're here to help everybody have fun and if somebody just is not engaging with the campaign it's okay to just take a step back and be like you know what guys this is not working i'm gonna like rework this or take a step back even further and just say maybe we start a new campaign like it's the thing with they tell writers is you know to kill your darlings and i think we at the end of the day if the campaign just isn't working because a player is too attached to their character or whatever it is that's going on that's making a player just not have then it's your responsibility as a dm to just say this isn't let's figure out some other way to do this yeah and at the end of the day we're we're here to have fun and do crazy things not to not to push people into not having fun yeah I'm I'm curious, Andy. How did you deal with that char- that player whose character had changed? Um. So yeah, we just that campaign. We ended up we ended up halting just because a lot of things ended up happening and just it, it essentially fell apart because we had a lot of people not being able to show up and some people were bickering. But um, that that player um, what I had planned originally was that um maybe just like a little mini arc for them or just like giving them. A little couple small victories at least or um 
there was another plan to maybe be like, hey, maybe we'll rework your character or I, I had their previous character had died, but I actually had that character stored away somewhere. Mm. Um, which I'll mention later when we get to stuff about character arcs. Um, but I, I had planned to either let them um get them get them a couple more victories and kind of really just kind of boost them or just take them out of it for a bit. But um, we didn't end up really get getting to any of what I had planned for that, though. That's the classic kind of problem, right? People are busy or, you know, maybe there's a disagreement within the group between a few people. It, it happens. It happens in every game, mm-hmm. I think, eventually. Um, I think, actually, before we continue, I want to maybe make it clear to the listeners that we... Um, I think it's good that players put themselves into their characters. I think it... Yes, yes. I think it, it really, like, helps them play that character and be invested in the game. It's just a matter of like, you know, you have to keep an eye on it in case people are having a bad time and, and mm-hmm. you know, try and figure that out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, people enjoy playing characters and when somebody, when you enjoy doing something, it's because there's a part of you in that thing, whether it's playing D and D or any other hobby, whether it's woodworking or magic, the gathering or whatever, like there's a part of you in that and that's what makes it so fun. And yeah, it's just our job as DMs to just make sure that we keep an eye on things so they don't boil over. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't want people overstepping boundaries too. Yeah. I think it's also important to note, like, we, we like to say it's our job as GMs, but it's, like, it's also okay to ask your other players for insight and to keep an eye on things. Because, you know, you're we're players, too. Like, our responsibilities are a bit different, but, like, we should also be having a good time. And I think we yeah. made reference to being, like, unlicensed therapists sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And if that's not good for our own mental health, we need to make sure that we're not giving in to that kind of urge or tendency too yeah. often. Yeah, we're we're mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, as much as we might feel it, we're not we're not responsible for how somebody else feels and reacts to a game. And with, and with what you're saying before, like, you know, if you're not comfortable talking to somebody about how they're relating to their character, then Maybe there's somebody else at the table. Maybe their best friend is sitting at the table or their 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 significant other or just somebody who's closer to them. Like maybe talk to that person and ask them to like just say like, hey, can you go check on Jim and make sure he's OK or, or whatever it is that needs. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten in the habit of asking at the end of a game, just being like, hey, is everyone all good? Are we having fun? You know, getting getting some feedback so I can improve my DMing. Yeah. And to to really like make sure I'm paying attention. Yeah, and I've I've been doing that and I need to start doing it through like DMs to people, like direct messages through some like yeah. back channel because the thing that I've started to notice is that the the extrovert that I've got in my game will usually right away say like, "Yeah, that was awesome." And even though I know that maybe another player was like, "I can I know that they're feeling they were feeling a little bit left out because they didn't get to do as much." And they're just like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, yeah, it was great." Like yeah. I need to start like reaching out through other channels because sometimes the player who had the most fun can just overrule everybody else. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes uh, when said other players speak up, it it hushes the other voices sometimes. So maybe the person who didn't have fun won't say anything until you actually directly confront them and be like, "Hey, I've noticed either this session or a couple sessions ago that you've not really been having fun. I'm just here to check in on you and make sure that." You're getting what you want out of this because you know. But I think we all want to have fun here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time to move on to a slightly more uplifting topic, yes. which is yes. Uh, I think I think character growth or player growth versus uh, via the other. So characters growing because of their players or players growing because of their characters. Um, do you have any any stories about about that happening at at your tables? This is um, yes. You, by the way. Oh, okay. I'll think <laughs> on it. Andy, you go first. Um, so, um, I've got two examples that really t- uh, come off the top of my head. One was, um, we had a, my, one of my first players was, he, uh, was playing a Kenku Warlock, or sorry, Kenku Sorcerer, who eventually became a Warlock. And, um, that, ca- so the player, uh, Adam, he was very, he's sort of a very lawful good, lawful neutral kind of person. And when I approached everybody for the game, I said to be, maybe think outside of the box or do something different. So he started playing this, I believe Glurp was a chaotic good character at the beginning. <laughs> uh, 
started really uh, slipping into chaotic and neutral and doing some other things here and there that were really zany. But um, so he was a he was sort of a very the player was very orderly and you know kind of like let's follow the rules, let's be good, yada yada. But the the character uh the character was very very wild <laughs> and just uh a bit of a troublemaker not too bad still he couldn't he couldn't um the part of himself he put into his character was that he was diplomatic and played by the rules but at the same time his character started doing all sorts of crazy things and i think one of the i think one of the, <laughs> one of the first wild things he did was um accepting strange potions from a man who would eventually be revealed to be a cultist <laughs> <laughs> um he essentially took he started experimenting with potions and it was it was very very strange and he's like you know what let's do it let's uh let's go let's do these chaotic things and he would always be like okay uh we're gonna do something crazy all right sure and <laughs> it actually helped him as a person kind of break free from some things and be a little bit more spontaneous and impulsive when he needed to be and it, it was it was good i actually um he's probably one of the only players i've had that has actually come out and said hey playing this character has helped me as a person and help, has helped me grow and i was like oh that's very touching thank you i'm glad playing this game with me has helped you grow as a person um what else did do? He, he he uh he, he started doing some I'm gonna say community service eventually near uh, <laughs> near the middle part of this campaign. Um, another example I have is that um one of my one of my players uh, I brought in I brought in two players be, uh, playing bards later on and uh, after a year and a half of this campaign because just to, just to liven things up you know seven seven players wasn't enough nine had to be oh my god <laughs> it eventually it eventually dropped down to eight and um. It's still yeah. too many for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, have enough, yeah. I have enough trouble running a campaign for three players. I I'm finding I'm finding six and six and below, like two to six is where I think I do my best work. Because um, <laughs> if if you have if you have too many players, I like to plan character arcs for them, and eventually eight eight like long character arcs. That's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um. This uh, this one player, um, they're trans and they were um, they hadn't transitioned yet. They've transitioned now, but they made this. Uh, I worked with them to. I hadn't put tritons anywhere in my world, anywhere like um significant, and so I worked with them to create um sort of triton culture in at least one part of my world. And they wanted to play um well, they wanted to play a trans character, so we went with tritons. We gave Tritons the technological or magical ability to be able to do transition surgery, but with magic. And so, um, playing their their Triton Bard, who was sort of a um, <laughs> hopeless romantic, wanting to win his wife back, um, had transitioned, and part of that had been their uh, character split from their society. Um, they got to explore a lot of different things that they, as a person, wanted to explore in their real life and as they grew more confident in themselves their character did as well and it was a uh, it was nice seeing them kind of them and their character doing a back and forth of being more secure being uh, more comfortable and then making better choices in game and out of game that's something that we've we've talked to it was lester i think yeah we've talked to somebody previously about uh players using D as a way to explore facets of themselves that they're they're curious about or not sure about and i think that's i've said it before i think it's one of the most amazing and powerful things about DD is that you can do stuff like that and it can help you in your life to figure out something like oh this is a little bit more true to myself who i am yeah mm-hmm. I, I know personally um <laughs> ex- i think most of the characters i've made when i've actually gotten to play have have been some some form of I want to explore a part of myself, or I want to, I want to maybe satiate some some weird part of myself or uh, desire that I can't really do um, in my normal life. Like I made a rogue, 
let's uh let's explore what it's like to do crime <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's one fun thing as a dm is that i can both be the all-powerful magical badass and the the underdog you know yes yes i i found i found putting on the dm sitting in the dm chair putting on the mask and just going through whatever has been uh it's been pretty good for me so you had also asked me about some of my experiences with this kind of thing, Sean, and I can talk about some of my own experiences, whereas like, I think especially early on in me playing D&D, it helped me develop leadership skills just because, you know, occasionally my character had to take charge of the group I was in or whatever. And I, I think that's actually a pretty common thing, especially for like people who are start playing in their teens to develop some of those like social skills through D&D, uh, especially if they're actively working to try and develop those. Yeah, we talked mm-hmm. to, oh, I can't remember her name, though. she runs for kids at her school. Oh, um, oh no, Jane, I can't remember her last name. We're sorry we can't <laughs> remember your name because she's probably still listening, but um, this, she was talking about using uh, D&D to help help kids in elementary school like learn some of those social lessons in a in a safe environment where it's possible to you know maybe not roll things back but to say like hey maybe that's not the best way to to approach this situation maybe there's a a way that you can use your words instead of your sword yeah uh jane oh yeah that's jane perella there we go (laughs) i had to look it up um sorry jane yeah Thanks again for coming on the show. That was a really good episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I I have some other examples too, um, more for character growth via players. And I, I think as DMs, and I think for a lot of new players too, who are maybe more used to seeing actual plays where like, you know, it, especially Critical Role where like these people are all actors and this is their job. So they have the time to like set aside to really think about how their character wants to develop. Um, uh, one of my players will often at the table with me like walk through what she thinks her character's decision would be and i think that that's um a like that's a really great thing that's a gift that your player is giving you because they're they're explaining their character and they're like they're developing them actively at the table um and Mm -hmm. i think it's important to as a dm to realize that like that's all right because i know some people who like they just they want them to do it in their their head and that's uh i mean a that's that's not fair to every player not all of them can do like not everybody thinks in that direction and b it's it's, it is useful for you because then you can be like oh how do i affect this character based on this in a future point i I think something important there though is that if a player wants to it comes to you and says i want to figure out how to grow this character i want them to be challenged and this kind of thing it's not an opportunity as a dm to be like haha how can i screw this character over yeah no that's yes yes (laughs) yeah and i and i'm i am fairly certain 99.9 percent certain that our listener like none of our listeners are like that but just in case or for our listeners to take this and go and show like show it uh, show this podcast to another dm who might need that advice is that a player coming to you and wanting to wanting help figuring out how to grow their character or how to challenge their character is not an invitation to go haha now i can screw them over yeah it's i and like the way i was meaning is more like haha now i have this information and i know like why this character makes their decisions yeah so i can present things that are challenging to them later on the line and and see how they react um this this was also a bit of a special example because this particular player uh does this at the table while we are in session a lot of the time because that that's how how she thinks and that's how she works through those decisions and that's great um i've also had players actually our our friend jay who was on our second episode who will who is like kind of the opposite he he spends a lot of time on his own thinking about which direction his character is going to go in and why and really getting into that on his own and that that is also great because i get to be surprised at the table when he's like no kadia does this thing um and i'm like oh oh no what do i do this is great but also minor panic attack um (laughs) um but like it's the point I think I'm trying to get to with these examples is that different players develop their characters in different ways. And it's, it's important to recognize that and like 
not all players are going to do it the same way. It, you know, some some players maybe don't want to develop their characters that much, and it's it's honestly okay. This is a game we play for fun most of the time. If if somebody is like doesn't really want to develop their character a lot for whatever reason, that's fine. That's yeah. just as valid a way to play as getting really in depth with a character. Yeah, and so we've we've kind of come to the next topic that we wanted to hit on which was including the player or their character and interconnecting it with the story um what kind of tips or tricks do you have for that andy when it comes to trying to build a story like when a player comes to you and says like hey i want my character to grow in this direction how do you do you have any advice for dms when they get that request from their player um so besides all the uh the outline stuff i will i'll try to see where I can place certain things in the story for them. My previous campaign, the one I'm I'm trying to uh, revive currently, some of the characters actually had story elements that were just directly connected to the place that they were in. Um, I don't want to reveal too much in case they listen, because uh, <laughs> that one's coming back. But um, when the characters, um, their story had taken them kind of across the continent and to this one city, where there's uh, there's some political drama happening, and that that city is connected with another city that had a riot and some other uh, political things going on, some stuff being swept under the rug, and that city has a connection to this character, and this character is now in this other city that has this connection to this to the um, city that they'll eventually go to, but um. I don't want to reveal too much more because I might share this with them and I don't want to reveal a big spoiler. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Mm. Got to keep the DM secrets, right? <laughs> yeah. I think... Yes. I, I was just trying to think of like TV shows or cartoons or stuff like that where like... Because you, you mentioned like mini story arcs where the character can... A player can grow their character and it not being something that takes, you know an entire campaign to do and it just it made me think of i'm i'm watching i just recently finished watching season two of she-ra and i'm also yeah. watching oh. suits right now and i think both of those are kind of examples of i mean a lot of shows do this it's just that these are the most fresh in my mind of where a character you know each episode has something they have that story arc of like there's a you know in like she-ra like she'll be presented with some challenge and sometimes it's like how does sword work but sometimes it's a little <laughs> bit more like she's given a moral quandary of like how do you deal with somebody who's lying to you like it is a kid's show so it's a little bit more simple yeah I, not i don't want to say basic but a little bit more simple moral con quandaries. More boiled down more boiled down yeah yeah um, there we go and and using that as an opportunity for like either shira learns something about like okay this is how i deal with you know this kind of problem or it reinforcing an aspect of their character and i i think that that's kind of what i've tried to do in the past when i like a character is like i want to try and do this thing like trying to build something that can get resolved in a single session so that it's not a an ongoing thing because sometimes if a player comes to you and is like hey i want my character to be challenged by something from their past or i want them to like i want to try and see what it's like for my character to be a little bit more forceful in negotiations or whatever it is figuring out a way that you can give that player a chance to play around with that in a single session rather than like cool i've got a new story arc is mm. i think a, a good tip a useful trick i don't yeah. know how to i like to think of that as thinking <laughs> as like sometimes single sessions is like an episode of a show yeah structure wise whereas uh, you know Often I'll think of a campaign as a novel or a series or whatever, right? Like, sometimes mm -hmm. it's best to be like, yes, this session is going to be like a day in the limelight for X character. And then maybe there's a B plot for everybody else or something like that. Yeah. Also, <laughs> how amazing is She-Ra? Like, <laughs> She-Ra's she pretty good. I, uh, I've been trying to draw some inspiration from that. Uh, to, really quick to jump away from D&D &D for a second. It's actually one of the things that I think there's a game called Worldwide Wrestling, mm -hmm. which is uh, powered by the apocalypse based game about being a wrestler. And I think it's one of the things that the game does really well is because it's based on 
like WWE and all of this, like the it's got kayfabe and faces and heels and all of that kind of stuff. One of the main conceits is that as the GM, you're the showrunner and you're putting together like a, a session is a TV episode. So it kind of helps focus your thinking into like, okay, this is the episode where this wrestler is going to have this big moment. And that's what the story arc for this session is. But you can still have stuff in there about like, oh yeah, and wrestler B and C are still fighting about you know who slept with whose wife in in the, you know, in the background in that in that locker room talk or whatever it is and you have a quick little fight there so that they have some interaction but thinking about sessions as a chapter in a novel or an episode of a tv show i think is a good way to think about these you know when a player wants to try something with how their character behaves or how their player or how their character reacts or relates to other characters or npcs it's a useful framing to mm-hmm. I, I i've been lucky enough that i've had players sort of they have like a little bit of a bucket list of things they want to try out Ooh, nice. and so um um <laughs> so uh the uh the trident bard i mentioned earlier way earlier was um yeah he had this whole bucket list of things that he wanted to get done and so some of them I some of them I actually gave to him pretty quickly and it was it was neat seeing how that really changed the character's dynamic and brought the character's energy up. Um one of one of them was he wanted to find where his uh his daughter had moved to and he was in contact with her via sending and uh, eventually introduced the daughter and it was it was neat seeing the character being like, I wanna know what it's like I wanna be the party dad, but I'm the wrong kind of party right now <laughs> it was very much the uh create some chaos kind of party dad and not the uh listen now here kids <laughs> maybe don't go so um you know having having that uh father-daughter relationship with, with a friend of mine was neat as he uh he got to explore some stuff so let's let's say that you your a player came to you and they have something that they wanted to 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 connect to the story whether it's the way their character acts or something from their backstory let's say you've you've figured that out you you took a session and the player was able to you know play around with that and figure out okay cool yeah this is a backstory element that I want to pursue further and they come to you and they're like cool how can you help me work this into like a story arc or they've said that like I really like this and you're like aha story arc idea how do you how do you go from that like single session of they want to try and be uh they always want to they want their character to always come out on top when it comes to negotiations and how do you take that and turn that into something that impacts uh the wider story the the campaign um some I've I've become fairly decent at improv so sometimes I just pepper little things in there just little encounters here and there that might be um sort of like uh almost like side quests that are connected to the main thing they're doing not too many so that they don't get completely sidetracked but enough that it's like they they get a taste of like yes i i want to keep doing this thing um after the end of the session i will i will try to i'll look over my notes and i'll try to be like okay where can i put more of this and make a bigger impact with that and I, I try to structurally connect it to everything again, but sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but while I'm trying to work things in, I will try to talk to the player, being like, "Hey, if you still want to keep doing this, I can. I can try to do a couple things for you here and there. I can't completely promise anything because maybe the story will. Maybe either I'll direct it in a different direction by accident, or someone will do something that will force the story elsewhere. But I'll try to." I try to weave it in a way that they can actually interact with things and do the thing that they want to and keep exploring that path. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's a, a great way to do it. I'm I'm kind of uh, my game is kind of interesting in that I haven't had lots of hey I specifically want this because I my my game is very RP heavy and I will often leave the players to RP like just for an hour and just watch them. Uh, um so like they often make their own little mini character arcs for me which is very convenient um but i have had um in my first game and sadly it ended basically just as we got to this point i had a character who was like or a player who was like i feel like i haven't got a lot of chance to actually rp very much or interact with the story could you make an arc that is like 
in some way related to my character or my character's base of knowledge and all that. And I, you know, I was like, yes, I was actually really excited because that player in particular had, it was like kind of a quiet character player. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like, you guys are going to get a mission to go to her hometown and deal with this problem. And I started building it and I put so much time into building it. And then of course the game uh, fell apart as basically as they stepped into the village. Um, <laughs> But, like, it's, uh, I, I think it's really important as a DM to, like, listen to your players when they ask you to do a thing. Because usually it's not hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that worked out really well in my previous campaign of players coming to me with backstory ideas or me taking stuff from their backstory and figuring out ways to, to weave it in. And it's actually, it's kind of annoying that it was so easy in the previous campaign. Because <laughs> in this campaign, which it's kind of ironic because the previous campaign was five players and four of them had given me stuff to work with one of them even i feel so bad for her because she came to me she's like i want my my character to to like i'd like to she was playing a half elf ranger and she's like i'd like to to change my character up a little bit and if she had found a class or uh, the avarial elf uh sub race oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. which is basically elves with wings and i'm like fantastic yeah. it would be great to have because one of the other players was playing an eric okra and i'm like yes two more another character with wings there's no way this can go wrong um <laughs> but uh i had figured out a way to introduce her to her character to the fact that she was actually an avarial elf and just hadn't transformed yet and in the session in the place where she was going to fi find this out her character died oh no oh oh that's rough um, that's very rough yeah it kind of sucked but the she rolled up a really interesting desert monk um oh next. you've you've told us about this like <laughs> before yeah but Oh. In, in that campaign, I just found it. I, I've just now I find it ironic that, like, in that campaign of five players, I had enough information from all of them to do that kind of interweaving of story and backstory and character motivations. Where in the campaign that I'm running now, it's just three players, and I think it's the setting, the fact that they're adventurers far from home in a strange land that it's uh, suddenly a lot harder to figure out ways to weave their backstory into the campaign. <laughs> And I mean that that's a circumstance just of some games and like I I feel the way to try and work that in is to try and prompt RP between the players that is tied to that but it's mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy yeah because I mean, you need them to actually do the RP I I actually do Yes they they actually have one like the player who's an extrovert has actually done some great stuff about like his character he's playing a bard and the reason that he's on this adventure is because he wants to prove that he's better than his older sister who is also a bard nice um so i've got some stuff there and the two of the players came to me beforehand they're like can, can we be like can there be old ruins we want to do some ar archaeology and the and another player's like i want there to be crazy old and i'm like yes i can do both of those things yeah um, in fact those things may have already existed shifty eyes <laughs> yeah and I, I think it's 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 one of those things that like yeah sometimes the campaign that you're running is perfectly suited for a player coming forward and saying like i, I want to try this thing and you've got a whether it's a mini or a major story arc, you've got something to work with. In some campaigns, just because of the way the way that you set them up, it's like, yeah, you're not going to have inter any interaction with your family because you're in a different you're on a different continent. Yeah, and I mean mm -hmm. that that might be. I mean, that's I think a thing where session zeros are useful because you can talk to them beforehand and just you know be like, just so you know, like this is the circumstance of the game. If you're building a character where you want that to be a thing, that's that might be better for a different campaign farther down the line. Yeah, and that's that's where I got the the archaeology and the and the hermit thing was like, you guys are going to be adventurers far from home. And they were like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll build our characters this way. And I think the the bard player figured out later on, he's like, he, he's just the kind of player that I think goes off and thinks about their character and then comes back and is like, yes, I'm trying to be better than my sister. It's like, okay, cool. I don't know how I'm going to work that into this, but I will figure out a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have advice for you that I might give you after the podcast, because I think we're <laughs> starting to run a bit long. And there was another thing I actually really wanted to touch on, which is, um, I think, related to this, and you, you had mentioned your character dying. Um, one of the most satisfying things I've done, uh, and Ray helped me a ton with this, because he was helping me write some like setting stuff for this game I was running. Mm -hmm was to have funerals for your dead characters and like 
make it a thing. Mm-hmm. As as I I know that it's not always possible because sometimes you're in a dungeon or, or whatever. But no, like, I'm I'm kicking myself now because that would have been incredible. Yeah. So <laughs> what I like about funerals, and again, it's not always. It's sadly just not always possible, depending on the setting. But is it really gets to uh, like. The other players get to pay their respects and, you know, get to maybe have a monologue over the casket or the pyre or whatever. Um, the players get to attend their own character's funeral as a different character if they want, which can often be interesting. Or I think actually another really good idea is if they haven't introduced a new character, get them to help you run the funeral. Get them involved in that and what they would want to see. It there And it's um, I think it's a nice way to tie up a character's arc without it being kind of a bitter oh your character died moving on yeah and uh, like, yeah I'm just, I'm just thinking of like the player whose character died having an opportunity like it gives them a their own breather episode basically yeah because they have a chance like it, it gives them a chance to well it gives you as a dm a chance to possibly get them out of a, the funk that they've just put themselves yeah. into by dying by like saying like hey why don't you write up a secret will that your character's been carrying around oh that's such a good yeah or or have them like you know play a crazy family member who comes to this funeral if if it's in a big city and it's like it's their their parent or somebody who is like well i never really believed in them and now they're dead (laughs) 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 i mean it it depends on like whatever the player wants to do but yeah i think the idea of having a funeral even if it's just like yeah the player's you know building a pyre and burying them under some like a rock cairn like out in the wild somewhere like that's a really good idea and yeah like sometimes it won't work like if you're you know your your players are trying to escape a dungeon and three of them i mean i think it's all almost more important if if a bunch of characters die in a single battle and there's only like two players left i mean it be really weird to run a funeral where like three there's these three adventurers but yeah that's a really good idea yeah Mm -hmm. Andy, do you have any any ideas for, or other suggestions for that? I'm I'm really liking this like this detour. Yeah, <laughs> this detour of uh, funerals. Um, <laughs> let's see. In um, in the most recent character deaths I've had, one of them, their body was taken away by their family. Um, the other one. Uh, so I had two players. Uh, they, they're a married couple, and they wanted to do sort of a uh, Luke and Leia kind of Star Wars deal where their characters were brother and sister but they didn't know um when one of their characters died they uh we did a funeral and everything um but he had um he had this um sentient sore that kind of he had he had some interesting character arcs where i i did little like mini like mental challenges for him to like help him grow his character i think one of the more iconic ones was you know though uh what's your definition of power and eventually him being like you know my power comes from my friends um anyways he had this connection with his sword but he had died and when they were burying him his sister that he didn't know you know they didn't in character they didn't know they were related the sword passed on his memories to her and there was this whole send-off of oh he was my brother oh this is a lot more emotional and (laughs) now that i'm remembering this i remember i'm remembering that um so it was a dragonborn barbarian and a dragonborn rogue and the rogue just like in character going into like a revenge depression which was interesting because the player was definitely not that kind of person so that was neat um but it, it was interesting seeing how um important that character and that player were to just everyone else in the party and seeing how they how they themselves grew from just the experience of like oh we've lost a valuable teammate and like where do we go from here i think this idea of having a funeral it it feels like this has been a dnd session of like you start off like with creating characters and like this we stumbled upon this perfect way to end the episode of like we've been talking about dealing with players putting too much of themselves into their characters and i think whether a player puts a ton of themselves into a character or only puts the barest minimum i think a funeral or some kind of goodbye it's not mandatory but i think you should even just take even if it's just a couple of minutes for the players to like say goodbye to their character because people get attached in various ways to the game that they're playing whether it's just to the the friends that they're sitting around the table with or it's 
immensely attached to the character that they're playing and having a chance for everybody to just be like, well, it sucks that they're dead. Yeah, especially in a long <laughs> campaign where there are character arcs and there is a lot of RP and stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's, it's like, I think as we've said, cathartic for the player as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have that chance to process, process all of it too. Yeah. Well, well, I think this is a good place to to end it. We just we we've come to the funeral of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay, we got the traditional kind of final question, uh, Andy. If you could cast, uh, if you had a time turner and could go far back in time to when you first started DMing, what's a piece of advice you would give yourself, kind of about what we've been talking about today? Um. Hmm. To give my to give uh me back then, I would say just talk to everybody. Ha- have maybe not just a session zero, but maybe like a, a smaller kind of thing, and just talk about like you know what what people are uh, trying to get from what playing and how much of themselves are going to their characters, and you know really ask like how important these characters are to you. You know. Yeah. No, that's that's good advice. Yeah, that's just good prompt advice. prompt a little bit of 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 thought get the players thinking about a little bit deeper about like just beyond the stats of what's on the sheet and a little bit about like who is this character to me and always keep (laughs) in mind that the you know keep in mind that the character is probably important to your player yeah uh well thank you so much for coming on before we head out is there anything that you would like to plug places you'd like people to to find you online if they have thoughts that they'd like to send your way about this topic um uh just yeah, they can just uh, message me any any time on my Twitter at uh, at Hero of Hearts. Um, yeah, um, I'm always open for questions and ideas, and I definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely always looking to improve my DMing and to help others. And to to the listeners, uh, before we we head out, if you have a story of a funeral in your game, oh yeah, send it to us. I want to hear those. Oh. We should make a bonus episode. Actually, yes. <laughs> Send us stuff and we'll put together a bonus episode because I want to I want to hear and read these stories of of play of character funerals. <laughs> this um, is a great idea that it will in no way backfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh thank you so much for coming on the show, Andy. We've really appreciated yeah, no talking problem. to you. Thank you for uh thank you for having me and uh letting me talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. Yep. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to DMs of Vancouver. We acknowledge that the land we live, work, and play on is the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that fact, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. We are a part of the Cave Goblin Network. To check out other shows on the network, please visit cavegoblins.com. You can support the show and the network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. You can also support the show by leaving us a review on iTunes or talking about the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver, at Jesse Boros, and at Sean P. Hagen. Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. See more of her work at HaleyBoros.com. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. Find his work at Acompetech.com. Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed, competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30pm PST. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's everything economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.